0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball well podcast. I am your host, Trill bro Dude, And before we get into anything that I talked about today with Brian Toporek, please go subscribe to the YouTube page below in the description if you have not already. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers by next Thursday, February 10th, for SlopFest 2022. All day, I'm going to be reacting, streaming for about three hours in response to what's happening at the trade deadline. So trade rumors, trades actually going through. I'm going to have guests on. We're going to be hanging out. It's going to be a lot of fun. So please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube page. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers before we get to the Slot Fest 2022. And like I said before, we're going to be releasing and streaming episodes early on there. I released this episode 12 hours ago on the YouTube page. So anyone who subscribes to the page has already listened to this. So you, you guys are behind. So We're going to be doing that until we hit 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube page. So please go click that motherfucking subscribe button. Thank you. Other than that, had back on Brian's pork today. Of course, when Brian comes on, we always talk about trade stuff. We always talk about Kyrie's Maxi, it seems like. He seems to be a a favorite topic of ours. We talked a lot about Maxi, what he means to the team, whether he's untouchable or not. The answer is yes. He, I apologize for ever trying to trade Tyrese Maxey before. He is a god, king, and an emperor. On top of that, we also talked about all the other rumors that came out this week about Ben Simmons with the Ramona Shelburne piece. We also talked about the Harden stuff. Of course, we have to talk about that. The Bradley Beal stuff that's out there. And then just general trade deadline stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You can review us on Spotify, review us on apple you can donate to the square you can just support us in general share the podcast it's been going great and as we build the audio stuff we're going to start doing more video stuff on youtube i'm going to even start doing non-podcast videos so once again make sure to subscribe there thank you so much for your support and next week's trade deadline week baby we're in our prime let's get it talk soon We work to work, you
1: late like to work, I holla and they send it. Wow. You know my pet was colder than Chicago in December. Damn, my bitch came up and go with her mama, was her daddy. Yeah. And when I'm in the mid when she yeah. say holla at your family holler, My dog paid me that cup. till like candy. Beast. My dog out lean on low, ain't breaking no laws, I'll serve not a rock. Beats outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shootin' at the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I'm excited to have back on to the podcast from Bleacher Report and the NBA Pod and
1: Forbes. We have Brian Taboric. What's going on, Brian? Thanks for having me back, man. We got a week to go until we're all free of this Ben Simmons stuff, right? Right. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'm going to throw up actually now yeah. that now
1: that you say that. <laughs> I have anxiety
0: already about all all of this. I have anxiety leading up to the trade deadline and and the anxiety of of having to deal with it for 6 more months, but this is what we live for, dude. It's funny because yeah. it's like it, it the it, it, somehow the off the court shit, the trade de- the trade will it happen, won't it happen, has become just this huge shadow over the team and we were just talking about it before like how do you analyze a team, like when you talk about net rating or being contenders or whatever, when you have a max player, a three-time all-star, a all-defensive player sitting at home doing nothing for the team? And then on top of that, even if you just remove Ben Simmons and who he is as a player, and as we've talked about before, he's a very good regular season player. We just don't have $35 million in cap space. So it's impossible to just look at the Sixers
1: and like really live in the moment with this team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey have been trying to pull our attention back from this ongoing dumpster fire of Ben Simmons. But then of course, like right after the best win of the season on Monday, <laughs> a <Ramona> Schalbert <laughs> drops this giant Ben Simmons story with like all these embarrassing details about him. It's like, Oh, we're right back in it. All right, great.
0: Great, yeah, no, it's always very, it's always very timed. It reminds me of when like, uh, Carson Wentz was clearly asking out of the Eagles, and like, the day that Jalen Hurts was gonna get his first start, his team like leaked stuff. Like, it's all very <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, publish it now, drop yeah. that bomb <laughs> now, okay, yeah. dude, because clearly all of this is very calculated every move from each side is calculated whenever Mori's leaking whenever clutch is leaking but now we actually have some fun basketball that we've been able to watch over the last at least the grizzly to me i don't know about you but just as a fan of the sixers and a fan of basketball that was the most fun i've had watching the sixers all season
1: yeah, I, I said so at the time as well. And then I wanted to like think back with like, maybe I'm just overreacting in the moment, but like Maxi versus Ja in particular, like maybe there are better wins in terms of quality. Oh, for sure. Although, but ah, no, sure. like without Embiid, good. Yeah, yeah, like beating Grizzlies without Embiid might be the best win of the season, just quality wise. But then also like the Grizzlies are just fun as hell. Like I hope they yep. go to the finals this year because I just want to watch them play basketball and play like high level basketball. Throughout April, May, and June, uh, like they're they're awesome. Like we should all just if they if the Sixers don't trade Ben Simmons by the deadline, we should all just become Grizzlies fans. Like, I'm with turn that. Turn this into a Grizzlies podcast. with Oh, next let's months. do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. No, there was a there was a uh, a player, uh, Asian player, Wang Zanger's name was or something. He's been traded like a hundred times <laughs> since he got drafted like ten years ago. And I said that a Grizzlies fan has to start a Whang, uh, rights to Wang Zhang podcast. Ooh. So I'll Ooh. just cha- I'll just change the name after the deadline when we don't trade Ben. <laughs> to the <rights> to wh- <laughs> I'm sure, the, I'm sure the Ricky Sanchez guys would like that. But no, but like watching the Grizzlies is so much fun. Like it, re- yeah. I know the it's a lazy comp to be like. Oh, it reminds me of the Warriors from like 10 years ago before like they were like this, you know, obviously they get KD and they become a dynasty and all that stuff. But like before they really like arrive, that's what it feels like with the Grizzlies this year. But like going into that game, I I'm not even just saying this. I feel like fucking, you know, the LeBron meme where he's like. Yeah, you know, I just said, Kobe's going to drop 81 in this yeah. game. I feel like LeBron, because I say a yeah. lot of things, and when they don't come true, I don't share them on the podcast. Sure. But I, I was at work that day, and one of my coworkers was like, why is the line so close? Like, Joel's not playing. The Grizzlies are really good. And I was like, wouldn't this randomly be one of those games that the Sixers <laughs> just fucking win, though? And we're like, what? Why? Why does this team never make any fucking sense and that's exactly what happened it's like like i swear to god i have i feel like when it comes to the sixers i have pretty good feel for like oh like the wizards game last night i was like don't feel good about this the second i saw (laughs) Peel was out i was like nope don't even though Joel's playing like i was just like you just have a feeling as a fan but like go going into games this year like the bucks game earlier in the year i didn't have a bad feeling about that one the game where paul reed played really good defense on Giannis. Uh, going into the Grizzlies game the other night I did not have a bad feeling because it just feels like when you think you can predict this team they just fucking throw throw (laughs) a curveball and you're just like all right Tyrese Maxey is literally uh fucking Donovan Mitchell tonight I guess I don't know
1: (laughs) they they can play up or down to anyone and and, and, like they are as good as their opponent or they're as bad as their opponent exactly don't have an identity the Sixers and the Celtics
0: are very similar in that regard this yeah. season. I know the Celtics have kind of figured some things out recently, but uh, it does feel as though they're they're very much on that seesaw back and forth between being like, Tobias Harris makes me want to pull my fucking hair out sometimes. But also <laughs> like, and, and it's really, it's really unfortunate because obviously going into last night and even for the majority of the game last night, I swear to God, just feed Tobias for the first half. Just let him be, Fucking first half, the first half scorer, let him carry that load early in the game, get him beat and maxi some rest so that they can carry the team down the stretch because he is so bad in clutch time and he's so good in the first quarter. Like, I, yeah. the joke last year was like, he's fucking LeBron in the first quarter, but like, <laughs> he, 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 he's like, he literally led the NBA in scoring in, in first quarter points last year and he's kind of getting back to that now. And it was just so unfortunate that at the end of that game, yeah. He has the brain fart. He gets yeah. the rebound and he's about like, he, he just should have just immediately threw it up. But the thing about Tobias is like, he doesn't like it, as much as Ben drives me crazy with certain things. Like Ben Simmons makes that pass. Like right. he processes the game very fast. Like a lot of guys on the team will just make that pass. Cause they get Tobias is very slow to react to things. And it yeah. feels like if he just gets that and throws it up to maxi tie game overtime, whatever. And It's just really frustrating because it felt like another game that they they could have won, and now the whole narrative is just get Tobias out of town. Even though the last three weeks, I think he's been pretty good.
1: Right, like for all of January. I mean, he he had been struggling for sure to start the season, but like for the entire month, it just he got back to. I mean, Doc says it all the time, like the quick decision player, the guy who isn't dribbling 16 times into a post-up without passing it out even (laughs) once. And then, unfortunately, we saw that version come back with you know second quarter on. Uh, So hopefully it was just a one-game blip. I mean, you know, Tobias is not the only one to blame for last night. Joel also did not play up to his standard. And, you know, there are things that we just, there are like obvious flaws on this team that won't be corrected, whether because like, Ben Simmons doesn't get traded and he doesn't come back, or like Doc Rivers just refuses to stagger Embiid and beat and maxi, even though you know it is very clear that their bench just hemorrhages minutes without or yep. hemorrhages points without those two guys on the floor. Especially so
0: like, when Shake and Furkin are out. Like that, like yeah. and yeah. as much as Furkin drives and Seth, oh, Seth, too. Of course, I I've been saying all season he's the second most important player on the team this year. And I know that it sounds insane, but like Seth Curry has been literally the best version of Seth Curry that you could possibly ask for, and our offense really struggled without his shot creation yeah. last night.
1: yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, I'm gonna hope it was just a one game blip. and you know, they've got a couple big games coming up, Suns, Bulls, Mavericks. So like I you know, they they got to basically just bumslay throughout January. I think like three of their opponents throughout the month had a winning record right now. So it's like, all right, they took care of business against bad teams, but that's not telling me. How seriously should I take this team in the event that Ben Simmons does not get traded? I think, you know, the Grizzlies game was a good litmus test, especially without Embiid. That was promising. The Wizards game, not so much. So I'm looking forward to these next three, especially, you know, for for all of Ben's flaws. I argue few, if any, players in the league have guarded Luka Doncic as well as Ben Simmons has in the last couple of years. So seeing how Matisse handles that assignment tomorrow is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it, it's definitely it, – that's 100% true.
0: I mean, I, I don't think that anyone would deny that that Ben can can really lock up Luka in a way that pretty much no other player in the league can. I think that's part of the reason why he was interested in trading for Ben Simmons. He was <laughs> yeah. like, get, get this guy on my team because I yeah. don't want to <laughs> have to be guarded by him if he gets traded to a team in the Western Conference in the playoffs. But kind of going back to what you were saying, it's like, you know – like, they, they had their bum-slaying that even when they were playing, like, I don't know what I to call the Lakers, like, a good team, but, like, not no, a terrible no. team, but, like, LeBron was out. Like, they're yeah. kind of having that stretch that they had last year when they were able to, like, take over the one seed where they were facing a lot of guys with COVID absences, a lot of just bad teams in general. But the thing is, is, like, if you're a good team, you roll those teams. and. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's impossible to fucking uh, – it's impossible to just, like, look at this team and be like, this is how we should evaluate them when the GM has seemingly been like, we're good with punning on the season, by the <laughs> way. It's <We're good. laughs> just a normal thing to do in an MVP and somehow has, like, gaslit the entire media and a large chunk of the fan base to be like, this is normal. But right. but the the thing to me that has stood out the most, and we, we've mentioned it as passing, is just Tyrese Maxey is an yeah. absolute stud. And this is something that I have known for quite some time now. We saw it flashes last season, even in the playoffs. I mean, you could make the argument that the Sixers don't win game six without him. Like even in games, like the kid is not afraid of the moment. The Kentucky Mm -hmm. guard thing is real. They don't have the part of their brain that makes them fear things. They are just (laughs) absolutely fearless. And the Sixers need players that are going to be there and want the ball in their hands in the moment. Getting downhill, fucking unbelievable in that in that game. And obviously, you know, I don't think he was going up against the best perimeter defenders the entire game. But at the same time, like, Memphis' defense is really good. And mm. a, a few days ago, probably about six or seven days ago, or less than that, five days ago, when I recorded my last podcast, I talked about this idea of – do you include Tyrese Maxi in a Ben Simmons trade? Because now it's got to the point where it's like, Ben's value is definitely not going to just straight up, unless it's in a sign-in trade and a team is mm-hmm. handcuffed. The Bradley Beal, James Harden thing, which we'll talk yeah. about in a little bit. Unless a team is like that, on a straight-up trade, Ben Simmons is not getting you a star back, especially before right. the deadline. So the idea was, do you include Maxi, who is now... In his second year, clearly a starting-level player already with probably even more upside, incredibly efficient, 16 points a game, 17 points a game, three-point shooting. Like,
1: dude, when he hits those setbacks, I'm like... I know. Like, when's the last time we've had a guard like him who can hit floaters and step backs? Sure. <laughs> right? Like, I, I Literally. Know, but, like, Liberty Ballers asked this last night. Like, when's the last time we've had someone with this combination of, like, skill upside and personality and like if not for the personality i would say maybe drew holiday was or just like well drew's a different kind of guard but yes yeah i i agree
0: with that and lou like lou williams was very bad early in his career like his first year yeah. it took him a while to get it he was very young when he came in the league i don't even, i think he was in like his third season when he was Maxie's age so it's kind of hard to compare but like Of Maxi's skill set, I would say Lou Williams had that, but I don't think Lou Will had the upside that you see with Maxi. Like, I mean, I think Lou Will is a fantastic player, won multiple six-man awards, but I don't think that he was ever, like, going to be in the all-star conversation. And Drew, obviously, is just a very – like. There's just something about hoopers that are just like, it's like, it touches a part of my brain and it's like, Oh, this is why I love basketball. Like as
1: like
0: drew holiday is one of the 20, 30 best basketball players on the planet. And like, Mm -hmm. there was never a moment when I watched drew holiday and it made me feel the way I do when I watched Tyrese maxi, if that makes any sense.
1: It does. And I think, I mean, talking to the Sixers folks, both like, just it comes through in the press conferences, but also behind the scenes, like they are is as in love with this kid as all of us are. Like, they are so high on him. And, you know, even coming into the season where they were saying, like, yeah, Maxie's going to have a big role regardless of whether Ben returns or doesn't return at some point. Like, they've been bullish on him for a while, but I think I I would be surprised if they thought he would be this good this quickly, especially because the first couple games of the season in this expanded role, he did seem to struggle, and it just seems like the more reps that he is getting, the more confident he's becoming. And, you know, like, you have seen an evolution of Tyrese Maxi this season. And I, honestly, I think it's been one of the silver linings, like, you know, for, like, all we joke about for how sure. much Ben Simmons' absence sucks. Like, putting this responsibility, this level of responsibility on both Maxi and Embiid has forced them to evolve in ways that I don't think they would have had Ben Simmons played the whole year. Like, the team would be better yep. with Ben Simmons than without But we are learning things about Maxi and Embiid and they are hitting new levels that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have hit ever, or at least, you know, in in this short of a time span. So we again let's like god forbid ben simmons is still on the team next week like we can at least talk ourselves like let's gaslight ourselves and like hey well at least we get to see tyrese maxi play 35 plus minutes and you know, yeah be the full time exactly player. yep
0: yeah i mean if you have a fight or flight reaction to things ben's is clearly flight and maxi's is fight so yeah. so i like that we have a guy who is just willing to kind of put it all out there put in the fucking work dude like yeah. that is the biggest thing to me is like i i had tim Forkin on my podcast last week and when you talk to people who don't watch tyrese every night and you talk to people that are like i like tyrese maxi like he's a good player but they weren't like like they weren't clued in pre-draft on like what he could be like i mean i talked to draft people that were like this is a top five guy like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me that this guy is going at 21 like it, it was crazy when he fell that far and Like, Tim, being a Pistons fan, who's like, I'm high on our young guys, probably more so than non-Pistons fans would be. But he was basically talking about Maxi. and he's like, what do you see? Like, what do you see the upside of Tyrese Maxi as? And I was like, do you want me to be totally honest? Like, I think the ceiling of Tyrese Maxi is an all-star. And I think Mm -hmm. that, like, from what I have seen, if he can consistently – like, if he ups his three-point volume, if he gets better as a passer and playmaker – If those defensive flashes, like when he locks down Trey Young, where he has a good good game against a star perimeter guy, a lot of the times it's going to be against smaller guards just due to his size. But I'm just like, I could see him being an effective two-way, probably third guy on a title team good. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if he could be like the second guy. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be able to have shot creation duties that are like, John ja Moran, or like a, pr- a real true primary creator, that's just like he's not going to be a heliocentric guy like Luca, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I could see him being like the Kyle Lowry type that does like all the little things and like is just v- a very good sound basketball player. And he's such he's the shooting has really made him become such a better fit with Joel because yeah. the shooting was the one thing we worried about coming into the season, but like his touch is just so fucking good from that floater range. And he's always been a good free throw shooter that I was like, the three point shot has to come around. And I know it's low volume, but I never expected it to be like in the forties, even though it's three and a half attempts a game or whatever. Like I never expected him to, I I expected it to be like, maybe he'll take a jump to 34, 35 this year. And then maybe he'll be like a high volume, high thirties guy. But like, teams are closing out on him now like that game that game against the grizzlies like people were sprinting out to the perimeter to make sure he did not have open threes and he was taking advantage every single time
1: right like the the threat of his three-point shot is now opening lanes for him and i mean that happened in the wizards game like i forget who so many times someone like yeah flying out at him and he was just like all right i'm just gonna drive right in there i mean bad defense on the grip on the wizards part to not rotate over to stop that but right like you know i mean it it does open even more things for him and it's like it's ironic because if this three point shot carries over and continues to be as consistent as is and he can keep hitting step backs especially like he would be a really good fit next to both ben simmons and joella b that's what's
0: so annoying is like I don't think that he's what we thought of for Markel Fultz because Markel Fultz, when he was coming into the league, I know should have had a trigger warning there, but Markel (laughs) Fultz when he was coming into the league was very much like this crafty... Harden, Manu Ginobili. Like I remember someone had said to me they saw a little bit of Fultz in his game. And I was like, I don't really remember what Fultz was like as a prospect. And then I reached out to my buddy Ransom on Twitter and he was like, no, go re-watch that because Fultz was more like smooth and like like he he kind of played in slow motion, but no one mm-hmm. could stop him. Maxi's more like a jitterbug energy guy that's just like gets downhill quick, makes quick decisions, does like he is this shot of energy that I think could have been that nice bridge, as you say, like running dribble handoffs with, with Ben, like running second units with Ben, even with Ben yeah. at maybe as a small ball five type type deal. And it is frustrating that like, I don't know. Do you believe the reports that Ben could come back? Cause I do no. not like, I no. don't believe him. I think that was all. That was all just work from from Clutch, kind of just like throwing it out there and basically being like, "Well, but that's the thing is like, I, I guess I'm confused because Clutch's messaging the whole time has been he's not playing, right. but R- Ramona's piece made it sound like he could return,
1: but like he still watches every game. Like, like the th- yeah, what the does the that even mean? No, <laughs> that, I, I don't know. That was because the entire the tone of that entire piece was like he's never playing for the six. <laughs> He's just absolutely, he's like, he's not playing now and he will never be quote unquote mentally ready to play for the Sixers. And like enough other people have reported straight from clutch, like Sam Amick has done it. I think Shams has done it at some point, Mm -hmm. like Austin Krell just had the report out the other day. He's no, Ben's not coming back. Like he's willing to punt $33 million or he's, I mean, he's got to go to arbitration and try to win some of that money back. And I think that is, you know, a storyline that's being, I want to say underreported because it's like no one's gonna focus on it in the middle of the season right. but like that is the the big storyline moving forward and that's the storyline that like not only the sixers need to focus on but like the entire league needs to focus on cuz if this dude wins his money back why won't other guys do this exact same thing 100% and i think that's a
0: standard that Adam Silver and the owners do not want to set. Like they're yeah. like, like they're praying in the next week that Ben Simmons gets traded because they don't yeah. want to live in a world where that can happen, which I mean, I got to say it would be kind of funny to me personally, because I do not <laughs> care about NBA owners, but right. I I would, I, part of me is like, I don't want Ben back because I don't see, there's a few parts of this to me. It's like, One, I don't want Ben back mostly because I don't want to have false hope because everything we've talked about, like just now, like he would actually be a really great fit. And like, this would be the best team since the Jimmy Butler Sixers. Like you would, you could look at the top six to nine guys on this roster and go, they're actually kind of deep. Like they figured out Mm -hmm. the bench issues and like the starters would have like, you know, like, you know, with Tobias' struggles this year, obviously like you'd be a little bit concerned going into the playoffs with a broken brain Ben Simmons that is being <laughs> booed every night
1: Right. and
0: right. a Tobias Harris, who has also had that stuff. But like ultimately this team with this version of Maxi and this version of Seth and a capable backup center, in Andre Drummond, a bench shooter in George Niang and probably like, you only need like one of shake Milton or Furkan Korkmaz to be playable in the playoffs if they're still on the roster And you're like, I feel pretty good about this team, which is why I'm like, don't come back, Ben, because I can't (laughs) do this to myself again. Because I will. That's that's the worst part about all this is that I would be like, you know what? They might have it. And no, no, I'm not doing it again. The second part of it to me that would be the most concerning is that I think that Ben Simmons is a player who completely relies on effort and energy to be an effective NBA player. He Mm -hmm. is going to bust his ass every single night, which is why I don't think that the, like, as much as people were mad about Ben about the playoffs and shit, like, the visceral hatred that Tobias Harris has got this year, in a way, is different from the Ben Simmons stuff, but it seems more universally that Sixers fans are sick of him. Because, like, Mm -hmm. Ben, because he was drafted by the team, and because he did those little things, he tried his ass off on defense, he dove for loose balls he was like kind of an engine of an offense at one point. Like I felt like there was at least a staunch group of Ben defenders. Whereas I feel like with Tobias, there's really no defenders at all. (laughs) Like, it's just kind of like everyone's sick of him And they're like, let's just move the fuck on and get off his contract. Like, yeah, I I
1: think, yeah, it's the contract, right? Like Ben Simmons, you could argue is slightly overpaid, but like Tobias Harris is probably earning twice as much money as he should be. And exactly. Yeah. I think that's. The, you he's what the 13th highest paid player in the league this year i think right. and like yeah, yeah. at least ben simmons has made all-star teams like has star upside even if he's never going to achieve it because yeah you know whatever is holding him back like tobias never had that so that yeah. that was a mistake from the start oh 100 yeah everyone not, like, knew
0: the second it was signed they were like what, what are you fucking
1: doing Right, like Ben, at least you take up number one, you're like, all right, I get it like i I see the the ceiling here, and it's it's worth gambling on. It's just like, all right, he's not gonna not gonna hit it here, and no one criticized the Ben extension when it happened. everyone was like,, yeah. Yeah, duh.
0: obviously right. this guy this guy was one of the best twenty one year old players we've ever seen as a rookie, and he was pretty good a second year, like you know what I mean, like it was basically yeah. like like we've seen enough from Ben that we know that he is going to be a useful player in the nba for a long time and a possibly a superstar player no one ever thought that with tobias harris but kind of going back to my original point was like the the one of the reasons i feel like the team has been able to like and credit to doc rivers who i've criticized a lot in the past uh credit to him for kind of keeping the guys like ready to compete because i don't really think doc does much other than like motivates guys i guess and like I don't think he's a great X's and O's guy. I don't think he's a great, like, uh, with lineups. I don't really know what he does as a coach other than, like, he's gotten them, pl- like, remaining competitive in games that I felt like they would have given up before, which mm-hmm. is something that I feel, like, vibes-wise, <laughs> if you bring Ben back <laughs> yeah, and you have yeah, the yeah, rift yeah. between him and Joel, and you have the rift between him and, and Doc, and also, by the way, on top of that, a rift between him and Maxie that might not be incredibly obvious, but it's like, Hey, you took my fucking job. That <laughs> right. usually doesn't go great. When they come right. back, he hates the general manager. Like it would be a disaster of epic proportions to the point where if there's another playoff collapse, then we get to the offseason and we go, what the fuck? Okay. So are we just, are we now or is now the best offer, Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, if they're still on the Kings, like, you know what I (laughs) mean? Like, like that is a world that we could live in if this thing continues, but I don't think he's going to come back. I just, I, I I don't, first off, I don't think the team's going to trade him, which is fucking crazy to me, but like, I just, I don't see a world where he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's, I gotta go support my guys that, (laughs) we all hate each other. Like what? Right.
1: Let, let by gods be by God. Sorry for holding out for four months. My bad guy. Yeah, there's no way. And like, honestly, I mean, it comes back to the arbitration thing, but like if his goal is to win back some of his money, I would think holding out the entire season and saying like, look, whatever is, whatever like mental roadblock I have about playing in Philly, like I just absolutely cannot play here again. Whereas if you come back after the trade deadline, it's like, oh, well, you were clearly just holding out for, yeah. because you requested to trade the offseason. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's willing to gamble that he is going to be able to recover some of that money, even if it means sitting out the whole season. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a completely unprecedented situation, so we won't know until after the season. But as you said, I think Adam Silver and the league, they won't have the final say over this, but I think they will be rooting heavily for the Sixers to win this case and if they don't I think the odds of a lockout in 2023 go out exponentially because I think owners are. either way I mean owners are going to make sure this thing never happens again to this extent but like if Ben wins his money back then it's like like Zion's not going to do this next year Donovan Mitchell's not going to do this next year yeah
0: yeah it's a good point and also we're lucky that we just have no
1: history of the league front office coll- colluding against the Sixers. So, <laughs> right. so let back. Maybe will they will be like, you know what? Our bad about the Colangelo stuff. Like
0: we'll let this you fly, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The irony of it being Ben Simmons is the, as the guy too, Colangelo's prize prize piece in, in, in Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, the one he wanted to build around, which, oh man, thank fucking God that did not happen. Yeah. Um, so, kind of going back to the Maxi thing, and this is yeah, why yeah. I wanted to bring up Maxi in this conversation. First off, I don't know if you heard about it, but Coach Cal on yes. Angelo Catali today was like, they're not trading Maxi. By the way, I love Coach Cal. I think he's such a funny fucking character. Like, he yeah. did this video. I don't know if you saw that video he did before the draft where he was talking about Maxi. He's like, Philadelphia, Tyrese Maxi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, talks yeah, just yeah. like Trump. He's like, <laughs> Low energy GMs. They're very going to be very sad. Very sad they pass on Tyrese Maxi, folks. And he just gets up there and he's like, "The lying media will tell you that Tyrese Maxi is not a superstar, but he, 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 he's awesome." He, by the way, when he when Maxi came into the draft, it reminds me a lot of. Do you remember a few years ago when there was like that documentary series that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban did for? HBO, I believe it was. And they talked about like coaching secrets and stuff with each other. Oh, and one I, of I the things. I don't remember
1: that, but I feel like I should lie and say that I did. Yeah, yeah HBO fucking. Is... No one,
0: no one uh, will yeah. know. <laughs> it might have been on ESPN or something. I can't remember. Okay. But, oh, yeah.
1: Hopefully, like if it's HBO, I should know about it because they're under the <laughs> media umbrella. So I hope it was ESPN. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. We no, don't want to yeah. get you
0: fired. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's trash <laughs> if it's on ESPN, unless yeah. you want to hire either of us in the future. In right. that case, it was great. But, awesome um, <laughs> but the uh in this documentary, basically Nick Saban said to Bill Belichick, he's like, Well, what happens when you're going into a draft? Like, what do you think about? And he's like, Well, I just like I call you when I want to know about a player. And they're and every and he's like, No other coach in the NFL does that. No other GM really? in the NFL does that. He's like, You're the only one who picks up the phone and says can I call Nick Saban and ask him what he thinks of a player before he drafts him? And he's like, that's why the pipeline from Alabama, to new England has been so successful because mm-hmm. these are guys that are getting cosigns from Nick Saban being like hard worker, good guy. He's going to be great for your system, blah, blah, blah. Coach Cal is like out there saying like, this is Jamal Murray again. This is shake. just is Alexander again. Like you and him and doc are friends. So he was like, you know, I love Doc. And he's Doc Rivers. you gonna <laughs> love him. He's a point guard. Da da da. But he said on the radio show today, he was like, Doc told me they're they're not. And by the way, Doc could just be lying to the yeah, like, yeah, da, yeah. Da, people. Yeah. Say shit. He's like, I probably shouldn't even say this, but like, they're not <laughs> trading Tyrese in a Ben Simmons trade because they just believe too much in him. And yeah. my thought is that's all great and dandy until you get to the point where a player becomes available that's good enough. And do you go, shit, maybe we have to make a move that moves Maxi. So so I guess what what would be the dividing line for you? Like, what level of player would you need to get back in order to include
1: Tyrese Maxi in a Ben Simmons trade? Yeah, man, that's tough. Because my first inclination is, like, I don't think, like, the only player who is completely untouchable on this team is Joel Embiid. I love Maxi. I love, love, love Maxi. But, like, he's not at that level yet. So my first inclination would be rather than try to package him in a Ben Simmons deal, like he's how I would try to get off the Tobias Harris contract. Okay, but with Ben, like, I mean, Ben's already, you know, like I I know we have psychoanalyzed and hyper like <laughs> broken down as yeah, this is a therapy as... podcast now, actually. Right, right, yeah, right. you know, sociology, baby. <laughs> You know, we, we've broken down his strengths and weaknesses, and we are we are more familiar with them than any other group of people watching basketball. Uh, but, he, like, he, for all of his flaws, he's still a three-time All-Star, still an incredible regular season player. Like, you could argue top 25, top 30 in the league. So, like, packaging him with maxi, you better get top 10, top 15 back, and yeah. those players just aren't com- becoming available. Like, if you yeah. have that type of a player – the only reason they will become available is if they are about to be a free agent, and they're telling you we're not going to resign, like potentially what may be happening with James Harden, or potentially what may happen with Bradley Beal in a couple of year or a couple months. But like, yeah, I mean, I like, I guess Dame would be the real right, the real. Because like, last summer player. everyone
0: was like, that is the guy. like Dame's the guy. Right. If you right. have to move Maxi. I think it was a little bit more, no pun intended, stomach stomachable, because uh, he was the perfect fit with Joel Embiid. He was a good locker room guy who everyone liked. He seemingly wanted out. He played in the Western Conference. It made sense for Portland to make a trade around Tyrese Maxey. And it was just like, this was also before Tyrese Maxey showed us like, okay, all that in theory shit you thought last year (laughs) is reality now. So (laughs) between that and Dame saying he wants to stay in Portland and also his ab injury and also the fact that he's 32 and about to get another massive contract, it's very similar to the Harden situation where like Mm -hmm. Harden was just named to the all-star team and I watched the game last night and I was like, you should be kicked off the team for that performance. <laughs> it was so fucking bad. Like, he was right. horrible. And and I understand, like, Harden's another guy that, like, he did it in Houston where, like, we knew he could be really good. Maybe not MVP-level James Harden, but, like, clear all-star top 15 player James Harden. And he just chose not to because he wanted out. Mm-hmm. Could this be happening again? But also, like, I talked about it last week. Like, I'm not sure that a Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Kevin Durant, and if Kyrie Irving stays, Brooklyn Nets team is not just better than the Sixers.
1: Like Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the Sixers would include Tyrese in a Harden deal now or in the summer, because I think, especially given how much smoke is around the Harden situation, I think they know they might have the Nets over a barrel a little bit. And I guess based on some of the reporting coming out over the last couple of days, it sounds like the Nets are... They might be pissed enough where, you know, if, if a guy wants out and says he wants to get traded to another team and sign a trade, usually the team's like, all right, we'll make it happen. We'll take back less than, you know, quote unquote, full value. Like Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson, Kyle Lowry for <laughs> Goran Dragas and Precious and Chua. No one <laughs> would call those fair value trades. It's just like, that's what happens if, if it's a sign and trade, it sounds like the Nets really might be pissed enough where they're like, no, fuck you. We are not going to help you out. Here. Right.
0: That's what I'm saying. And, and also, yeah. Think about the scenarios too. This is an incredibly unique scenario. Yeah. One, you have the fact that they just traded a fucking decade worth of picks for this guy. <laughs> right. Jared Allen, who is now should have been an all-star, to be honest, over James Harden, ironically. Or you could argue at least, or Chris Middleton yeah. or whoever. Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the irony is that like now they sent out all this shit for James Harden. The, on top of that, they have philadelphia who is a direct rival with another top five player on their roster and then on top of that you have the fact that like maury and harden have this long-standing relationship maybe there was tampering involved mm-hmm. and the biggest thing to me is that james harden doesn't have an agent right now i was told which is like his agent isn't like rich paul or like yeah. The, uh, the one of these big agency guys that like, we don't want to piss off James Harden's agent because then we won't be able to get X, X, X. And like, it's just like some guy he knows. <laughs> He's
1: like, <laughs> right, you're, right.
0: you're being certified to be my agent. And like, it's like what Joel Embiid did with his extension. Like he didn't have an agent. So like, if all of that coupled with the fact that there's no teams that have a legitimate threat as cap space, Mm-hmm. Then they really could be like, fuck you. Where, yeah, where are you right? We just gave up our fucking into- And honestly, that's the only scenario where I would probably be like, they kind of have a point. <laughs> 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 like I mean, what? what's the, what's the harm in telling, telling him, fuck you. Like you're only going to make him as the individual mad and maybe players will look at it like, Oh, you're not player friendly. But also I think a lot of players around the league would be like, yeah, why the fuck would they do that?
1: (laughs) Right. Right. I mean like the counterpoint would be if, if the Sixers had credible Intel that like, if you clear enough cap space, Right. right. It will be extremely difficult to do so. But if you did, I will come sign with you and I will leave Brooklyn empty handed. Like at that point, Brooklyn would say, okay, we'll take Ben Simmons back. Right. Yeah. And that would have
0: to be like, we're taking all the shit we're going to send you and we're going to send it to Detroit and we're going to send it to San Antonio. And that might be hard to figure out. But if there's one person insane enough in the NBA to not only figure this shit out, but also gut his entire team, except for (laughs) Joel Embiid, James Harden, and possibly Tyrese Maxey, it's Daryl Morey. Right. Correct. Yeah. He's out. He probably
1: has it plotted out already. Like the, the blow everything up plan. If Brooklyn are dicks, but like there's this, if he's got Troy Weaver
0: on speed dial, he's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I know. I know you've been eyeing that 2027 pick,
1: but like, that's the thing. If he starts to like, he, he can go to Brooklyn on July 1st and say like, look, we'll, we'll give you Ben Simmons. And if you don't want to help us out, like we are going to trade all these guys away. And at that, this is the point of no return. You're either getting Ben Simmons for James Harden, or we're going to blow our team to shit. And then we're going to have enough cap space to sign with James Harden. You're not going to get anything for him and you're not going to have any good way to replace him. So take your pick. Like it is, if we think like the game of chicken between the Sixers and Ben Simmons is intense yeah like what Philly and Brooklyn might do this summer is that on steroids
0: yeah I mean Daryl Morey is just announcing to the league how a sick individual he is right now (laughs) like just total like it's driving me insane every day but like but I still haven't heard a good argument as to why and this is something Zach Lowe brought up in his podcast which is I have not heard a good argument and I've been saying this since all the rumors started coming out again I've not heard a good argument why they wouldn't be able to get easily digestible salaries and your number one goal should be getting off both Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris right now in order to ensure that you have that. And also, by the way, you could have got Tyrese Halliburton. I'm fairly certain at least two weeks ago, you might still be able to, because teams just are lying. Like everyone's lying right now. And right, especially right, this right. week, there's like no leaks and it's like the great slop drought of 2022. <laughs> and the piggies in the Discord were all like, what do we do? Like we don't have any slop. But yeah. like now it, it's got to the point where it's like, it it maybe, maybe I'm viewing it from like a biased, like personal fan standpoint. But like just get me Tyrese Halliburton and like <laughs> Harrison Barnes and an expiring contract so that when we can get to the summer, we can still have a pivot plan. If Beal mm-hmm. or Harden wants to come here and we can be
1: better this year. Right. Like we can figure that, figure it out later, I guess. So my counterpoint would be twofold. One, you're relying on Harden or Beal to say, I want Philly and only Philly instead of yes. like, I'm just not going to resign with you and I'm open to X number of teams because like, right. In that scenario, if they are open to multiple teams, Ben Simmons in a sign and trade again, given what some of these other comparable stars have gotten in recent years, that's reasonably good value, and I think it's probably better it's extremely, value, extremely,
0: good, extremely good value compared right. like to Josh Richardson, Precious Jewel.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think you can argue that Ben Simmons with Kyrie and KD, especially now that we know Ben is vaccinated, and you know if Brooklyn has this. Vax mandate next year like he can play in home games which is already better than Kyrie those three yeah, guys... that was also included in there by the way oh I'm vaxxed yeah. by the way if you want to yeah, trade yeah. for me yeah. but right newly right. vaxxed and single well not single but yeah <laughs> uh but like those three guys fit well together so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like Daryl hasn't called Sean Marks because that would just be rubbing it like hey I'm gonna steal <laughs> James Harden for you in five months what do you want but like I would guess there are probably some third-party intermediaries who have at least gauged Brooklyn. Like, if you were to lose James Harden, would you prefer Ben Simmons or would you prefer this other package? And same deal with Washington and Bradley Beal. Like, would you would you want Ben Simmons? Would you want this other package? Or, I mean, like, oh, when you get to the summer, you can always say, all right, we'll do a three-team deal where Ben Simmons goes elsewhere. That team sends everything to you and right. then you send one of these guys to us. And, like, given... We, I mean, we still haven't heard like throughout all of this it's honestly remarkable we haven't really heard a ton of like concrete what have other teams offered the Sixers we've heard like all of these Daryl Morey is asking for James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins and every pick under the sun or like he wants CJ McCollum and like 15 picks but I feel like one of the only credible offers we heard was McCollum one of Simons and Little and a first round pick and I think that was from Sam Amick
0: and I think DeJounte um, Murray, the DeJounte Murray package last off season was another one that I can remember was someone reported, maybe Winhorst or someone like that, which like is funny because like DeJounte is, you know, like I, I, DeJounte has a lot of the same flaws that Ben does, but also at least he's a capable and willing mid-range shooter. And uh, as we'll be performing on Slotfest 2022 as small Ben Simmons
1: is, is the joke. <laughs> but- yeah, I mean, like he might've, I mean, he might be all star too. And like, I, I think if, you know, the, the window for getting a DeJounte Murray or Darius Garland closed last summer, but yeah, so I, think, I don't
0: think DeJounte Murray, I think for Darius Garland, hundred percent, I think Darius yeah. Garland, I think maybe even Fred Van fleet if he was ever on uh, the table, like, yeah, yeah. Like I, who would have been a fucking hand in glove fit with Joel and Embiid and it's really frustrating, but I don't think that DeJounte Murray is off the table. I really, I, cause I'm just like, the Spurs, I know the Spurs like to compete and they like to do this and that, but like the Spurs haven't had a player of Ben Simmons' cachet since Kawhi left. Like yeah, in terms yeah. of like the like selling it to the fans and shit. Like Demar's arguably a better player, is definitely having a better season than Ben's had recently. But like Demar, when he was in San Antonio, was just overtasked and was like not gonna be like he found the perfect role for him in Chicago, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, like you can sell in a small market with Pop as coach. You can sell that to your fan base, but also I feel like there definitely is part of that is like the emotional connection that they've probably had with DeJounte Murray is now at an all-time high, as he could possibly make the All-Star team. But kind of just like going back to what I was thinking about before, which is like, maybe I think about it too much as like, a I have dunked on brain, I have processed brain, (laughs) I have... (laughs) I'd rather have Tyrese Halliburton and picks on a rookie contract than to have Ben Simmons on a max deal. If I'm rebuilding, it doesn't make any sense to me to get Ben Simmons who at best would probably be the third best player on a title team. Whereas like Halliburton could maybe get to that point. He fits on a lot of teams. I could have years to figure out what he is and also get picks on top of that. But like maybe the perception around the league is that like, like like Washington for example if we're talking about Bradley Beal which like Mm -hmm. like their whole thing is the same thing as the Spurs, or the same thing as the spurs same thing as the pacers same thing as the kings right Right. they just want to compete and like they want to make the play-in and like Ben Simmons does a much better like you could argue that if you just put Ben Simmons on the Wizards that they're better than they are with Bradley Beal now I think Bradley Beal fits a lot nicer as a second guy on a lot of teams as a as a like off ball scoring guard who can also run pick and roll and be like a primary creator for you at times. But I think from like a, Hey, we want to win 40 games and make the play in, Like Ben Simmons would be a fantastic option. Whereas Tyrese Halberton is probably quite a ways away from that. And Ted Leonis mm-hmm. just has terminal as they called it in Jake Fisher's article playoff contender <laughs> status, per- perennial, perennial, playoff, post-
1: contender. Yes, perennial
0: yes, yes. playoff contender, which is a new term that has been <laughs> created by Jake and I appreciate it. Cause I might have to make shirts, uh,
1: <laughs> to say that. uh,
0: but, but kind of just like going back to my point, like, I think that we, as like salary cap trade sickos yeah, are po- probably thinking differently than a lot of owners and GMs.
1: I agree. I completely, yeah, I think, and Daryl's probably looking at it like who are the most likely teams that I'm going to trade Ben Simmons to? Brooklyn, who is very much in win now mode, like they might like Tyrese Halliburton as a player, but it doesn't re- like Ben Simmons makes more sense for them with KD and Kyrie still in their primes. Washington, for all the reasons you just brought up, Portland, I mean Joe Cronin, their interim GM just spoke with. I think it was Mark Medina of NBA.com today, and he's like, "We're not going to rebuild. We're just going to like shuffle some stuff around. We're going to retool." It's like all of these teams in small markets don't have the stomach, except for OKC to their credit. They don't have the stomach for a multi-year tank or a multi-year rebuild. They just, like, they won't, they, they refuse to go to the absolute bottom of the standings. Even And though... they don't want to lose their jobs, most importantly. Like, right, like, right. Tommy
0: Shepard's job is to keep his job. And Ted, <laughs> right. Ted Leona, like, if it were up to Tommy Shepard, from what I've heard and from what has been reported this week, he would trade Bradley Beal. Like, their front office is like, yeah, no, it actually makes a lot of sense to try to get stuff for Beal while you still can. And they might have even done it before. But, like, if ownership is telling you something else, then you're like, well, what the, what the fuck am I getting? Like, I don't have job security. I'm just like, yeah, you just got an extension and stuff. But, like, Jits could be fired at any moment. Like, right. Presty got his fucking rep from the KD, Harden, Russ years. And he's fucking golden in Oklahoma City until that owner dies. Yeah. So, like, he has the ultimate buffer. And one of the things... That like and I don't want to sound like I'm defending Daryl Morey right now because Morey is crazy for all of this. <laughs> He's fucking out of his mind to not trade Ben Simmons by the deadline, and I don't want to. But this is like just like from the other perspective is like any trade negotiation that he has, whether it's with Monty McNair or it's with Sean Marks or it's with whoever, he can basically go into that and say they're not fucking firing me ever. Right, right. I'm friends with Josh Harris. I fucking have been the I've been, I was Presty in Houston I didn't have to leave until I wanted to leave yeah. and I basically have the ultimate job security and I'm willing to fucking wait this shit out and you can't afford to wait this shit out right? so that is the the sicko fucking negotiation tactic <laughs> that he is just going full fledged with that like has now got to the point where we're literally having a conversation eight months after Ben Simmons requested a trade. And we're talking about it going a full calendar year before it happens.
1: Right. Well, and I think he's dangling this. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that all this hardened stuff came out before the deadline. And now that we're hearing some Beal stuff before the deadline, because like Maury's just sitting back there like, yeah, this is what I told you. Like I'm willing to wait it out because even if like, you know, Jake mentioned that the Wizards might like trade some of their young guys for Sabonis or Jeremy Grant, the latter of whom is not going to change anything about that team's trajectory. Or if even At if all. the Kings, like, yeah, we're, we're hearing, oh, they're here for a major shakeup, but like clearly no one wants De'Aaron Fox for the value they think they will. So, like, all right, what are you going to get for Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes is going to meaningfully change your trajectory. If anything, you're going to sell Nothing. those guys for future picks and you're going to have to go like further into a rebuild. So I think you're right. Like Mori is saying, look, I've got, clearly I've got something. I know something about Harden and I have that in my back pocket, but like also either if things go south for the Wizards or the Celtics or the Blazers or whoever, like there will be options this summer. And if, you know, if the Kings make this panic trade and nothing changes, maybe he knows, all right, I've got the Halliburton Barnes thing in my back pocket in the summer. If nothing else pans out, like God forbid we don't get a Harden or a Beal or Jalen Brown or something like that deal is still probably going to be available in five months but why don't I take these home run swings now that aren't available to me until the offseason like I'm going to shoot for the moon and then if and if we get to that point and we don't actually hit it all right then we'll take the safe double safe triple it's just
0: sick sick in the head it's it's there's no other way to describe it it's like it's some fucking puppet master, like <laughs> fucking fan fiction that he wrote a musical that he's like, oh, this is gonna be like, it's gonna be about this this fucking brilliant but evil GM who yeah. you know <laughs> controls the trade market and he just fucking pulls all the like, it's crazy, like, and to do this in the middle of like, and I've gone back and forth on like the Joel Embiid Prime versus like the Joel Embiid MVP Prime season, mm-hmm. but like. I've said this before. My thing is, is like, it's not a failure if you don't win the title. It's a failure if you don't give yourself the opportunity to compete for a title because you never know what can fucking happen. And that's what we would be doing if we punted on the season. So that would be easily in a week from now that I would be pulling my fucking hair out thinking about. But he seemed to have gotten everyone in the team on his side to the point where Danny Green is having Devontae Smith (laughs) on his podcast. And he's like, should we trade Ben Simmons? And he's like, yeah, I'm a basketball fan. Like, I don't have any dogs in this fight. So, like, to me, I just want to see Ben traded because I want to see, like, him on a different team and, like, someone on different on the Sixers and blah, blah, blah. And then – uh Danny's like yeah no I think Daryl's doing the right thing and like I'm like how have you convinced everyone (laughs) in the organization (laughs) that this is the right like what what other time has there ever been an MVP that like is in the middle of an MVP level season or a MVP candidate I should say and we're just like yeah, no, just punt on the, it's fine. It's fine yeah. to punt yeah. on the season because of maybe something that can happen this offseason and we'll have options.
1: We'll just or, have or options. Like, at the may, maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll play. They're going to like that. That will be the hand wave. And, like we're going to try to work with Ben every day and repair the relationship. And it's like, no, dude, it, like we know if, if you don't trade him by the deadline, he's not coming back and you are yeah. punting on the season. <laughs> but like, I, I do understand Maury's argument of like, I, you know, this is my one last big chip. So if I screw this up, that is the, like, that is the end of having, like, you know, my predecessors have made so many mistakes. Like Sam Hickey set them up so well. And the Colangelo's just shit away pretty much all of it. Like, this is my one last chance to get this thing right. Yeah,
0: Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker are part of the Colangelo family, by the way, just in case you
1: didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. They lost Uh Colangelo brothers.
0: Yeah. And, and kind of going back to that is like a part of me thinks that Maury never believed in this team last year yeah. because I don't think that he, I think he would have overpaid for Kyle Lowry if he thought that Kyle Lowry moved their championship odds off enough. And he just wanted to see what Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris looked like as the second and third guys on a playoff team. And that did not
1: go great. If you remember <laughs> no. correctly, No, it no, it did not. And And, he said it after the season, where he's like, Look, if we're getting knocked out in the second round, like we're not as close as we thought we were. Right. And I I think that
0: it was a little bit of confirmation bias, maybe a little bit from him, because he was like, Hey, I didn't make the all in move. And now, like, who knows? A year from now, Maxi could be better than Kyle Lowry with the age going up and the age going down. Like, maybe me being conservative in that situation actually will benefit us in the long run. And I wonder, another part of me wonders, do you think that he views because of the Tobias Harris contract, he's like, we're just never going to win with this contract <laughs> on the books. Like we're just not going to win. And like, I wasn't able to move it last off season, which like they can say they didn't try to, they fucking did they They've sure. been like, they try. I'm guarantee you, Daryl Morey was making phone calls, trying to fucking move that contract. And maybe he says, maybe a team this summer could just be like, oh, Tobias was almost an all-star. Like, yeah, he makes a lot of money, but like, Why can't San Antonio be like, he could be what DeMar was for us. And like, maybe not as good as DeMar, but like, maybe he could be that guy. And he's just like, I could get off both of them kind of scot-free if San Antonio doesn't make any moves in, in free agency and they have most of the cap space. And then I can just rebuild the entire team around fake or just fake made up star player in my brain and Joel Embiid and possibly Tyrese Maxey.
1: Well, you know, to your point from earlier where you're saying like, you know, Tyrese Maxey profiles potentially as the third best player on the title team. And like maybe Tobias Harris slides down to the fourth best player on a title team. Ben Simmons could get you that second best player on a title team in certain circumstances. So it's like, he might be able to pull this. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But you know, or an opt in trade, which I think, again, there will be two very realistic potential options this summer. So like, that might be part of the calculus. It's like, I, I have the potential to completely overhaul this team in the span of two years to go from, like, I mean, think about the 1926ers. They were just so brutal. fucking hopeless. Yeah. And, like, to, to be at this point where, like, we are one piece away from, like, we could be the favorites in the East next season if he pulls this thing off. It's just, you know, he has to actually pull this thing off. all <laughs> no, that's, oh, that's exactly. That's a-
0: that, that's a that's the biggest part of it is that we're right. sitting here like he could though and it's like well i've been right, doing this right. for fucking two years now even though it hasn't been technically two calendar years two seasons of like when is he gonna make his move and it's just like you ever see that meme and it's like my guy's just been standing here for 60 minutes and he's frozen <laughs> and it's boring <laughs> like this like that's what it feels like to me it's like he's just like frozen in time like I will not make a move unless it's the perfect time because he's shown in the past that he's willing to throw every late first round pick everything at the wall to try to make a contender happen. But he clearly doesn't seem like that is what he sees right now. And, And it just feels like, once again, losing my mind, not thinking straight. That like he just never has truly believed in anyone on this team except for Embiid, and now maybe Maxi and Seth Curry because they were like his moves. Because he didn't sign Tobias Harris to that contract, he didn't draft yeah. Ben Simmons. Like, like the, he he wants to build the team in his own vision, and he might just blow any chance that we have at contending for that fractional chance that like Joel Embiid could remain healthy for five seasons and we could possibly win a title. But just kind of, kind of, just like. touching on other parts of all of this is the first off the the nets are in fucking shambles without kevin durant and it's
1: fucking (laughs) hilarious like
0: like ever since those reports came out i don't think the nets have won a game which is fucking Uh, wild
1: they lost what six straight i think now including this this absolute debacle to the sacramento kings
0: Yeah. Which that I had a little bit of like, this is great because whoever loses is a great outcome for us because we're like, if the Kings lose again, they're going to, they're going to even get more desperate to get a panic trade. And if they win, then they actually might be within like a stone's throw of play in to the point where they're like, damn, maybe making a Ben Simmons trade. And then on the other side, you're like, just lose all the time. Nets now they're in the play in tournament. And like, yeah, the gap between the first seed and the play in tournament isn't massive, but like, as we get down the stretch, like Kevin Durant's still out for a few more weeks. Like mm-hmm. if not longer, like one of the things that like, I always mentioned Hugo on the podcast, but Hugo from Twitter, he was, he's a big warriors fan. And one okay. of the things he talked about was like, everyone just assumes that a super team in their second season is better than their first season. Cause they get buyout guys. They have chemistry together, all that shit. It's actually a large amount of the time it's the opposite. Their first season is generally the best that they'll ever be. And as guys get older, as there's more variance with injuries and with like just having to work with three massive contracts or four massive contracts, it's really hard to build a good team. So if one of those guys is out for a stretch, you're kind of fucked. And that's what the Nets are having right now where it's like, Kevin Durant, who was playing like a top five player, if not the MVP of the league for the first few months of the season is now out. And the Nets only have Kyrie on the road. Right, and then right. it's the James Harden possibly taken a step back. James Harden looks like he might've lost a step. Maybe he's still recovering from the injury and a bunch of fucking Patty Mills and whatever.
1: Right. Right. I mean, and to your point about like, yeah, they get to establish chemistry, but, like, these three guys haven't gotten to establish chemistry. They've played yep, together ever. For, for, what, like, 200 minutes last year? And I have 16, they played? 16 total games, I think it was. And, like, have they have the three of them played in a single game together this year? One, maybe? Did they? One or two? I, I, I honestly don't even remember. Or I guess, I yeah, I the Bulls either. game. The Bulls game, yeah. I think all three of them did. But, like, yeah, you know, they've they played probably, realistically, 400 minutes together. Over these two seasons now, like they they have no chemistry because they haven't played together. And even when KD comes back, they're still not going to have the opportunity to develop develop that because yep. Kyrie refuses to get vaccinated, so he still can't play at home. Like it's, it's crazy.
0: It's like yeah. you could you could get in the second season of this team, we could be going into the playoffs with them having played like twenty total games together, which is if that like I don't even right. fucking know and, like I had my my buddy from Twitter who's a Nets fan like in our group DM saying today he's like we miss our shooters because like Joe Harris is out Kevin Durant obviously is one of the greatest shooters of all time but he was just speaking generally he's like no like last season we had Landry Shamit and Tyler yeah. Johnson and Jeff Green, and I'm like if that's what you're worried about you're <laughs> fucked if you're worried <laughs> right. about Landry Shamit and Tyler Johnson who were like 10th men on great teams like your problems are running deeper than you are admitting right now. And it feels, and this is something that Sam Sheehan brought up on the trade machine war crime episode, which is it feels a lot like the Celtics in the last Kyrie there, year there yeah. where it's yeah. like, people are really coping about like Kyrie, like Kyrie was being mopey and not playing like he usually was. The vibes were all off. Guy, when guys were injured, the team looked bad when they got into the playoffs. Like, they had their moments because they were just really talented, but like ultimately the Bucks ran them off the floor. And it just feels like this whole thing is just about to collapse in on itself.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of like trying to recalibrate expectations from the preseason, from the offseason when they were the clear title favorites, according to like every major sports book. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, right, they're one KD shoe size away from going. And you know, beating the eventual champions despite not having Harden and Irving for part of that series. So, like we saw last year that you know those three guys didn't need to play together all that much, and they were still that good. But as you said, their depth has dropped off. There's you know, the report just came out tonight that Joe Harris might need another procedure on his ankle. So, like, oh, we don't know. I didn't
0: even see that.
1: Yeah, we don't know like if or when Joe Harris is coming back this year. Like you you might say, like, we missed Joe Harris. It's like, all right, see you in 2022, 23. Like, you might. Not are at tra- point,
0: like, are, do they have to consider a trading him? Because if, if the if they think that there's a chance that Harden leaves, and you're just leaving all of that salary and that roster spot up to chance, you're not going to go all in and be like, we'll attach a pick and a young guy to Joe Harris and see if we can get back. Like, I mean, this would be funny, but like Karis Levert or like some like <laughs> someone yeah. like someone who can be a good rotational player, Eric Gordon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Do they like, even have a pick to attach at this point. Well, I guess maybe probably not a pick, one. but like, I mean, Houston would probably take one of their young guys that like Camp Tom. Oh, no, but here's the thing I keep doing this with Houston, but then I remembered they had like four first round picks this past draft and they passed on literally every guy that Kessler Edwards, Sharp uh cam thomas like they passed on all of the guys that the nets drafted all the jaden springer for the sixers like like they passed like they could have had those guys if they wanted and maybe they're just not very interested in those prospects like maybe nicholas claxton maybe they like him i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm just trying to think like if you're just gonna let that salary die on your on, on your books and you're this could be your last shot at a title with this core what do you do? You have to go all in, right?
1: Yeah. I just looked, they can offer uh, (laughs) a 2026 second round pick and 2028 first and second round picks. And then they have a 2023 second round swap coming in the least favorable of their own pick Atlanta or Charlotte. And that is it. So that is all that they could offer.
0: Not great. And, and maybe they're saying to themselves, this team ain't fucking good enough anyway. Like, like if Harden really is this and we don't have Kyrie for the home games in the playoffs and like Durant isn't 100% healthy, like maybe they're saying to themselves, like maybe we should be a little bit cautious. But like, I guess it's kind of like the Lakers situation where like, they're like, well, we have THT Kendrick not in a first round pick. Does anyone want it? But the difference is that Joe Harris is like a good starting level NBA player and every team could use shooting. Like every team could use, like, I don't think that, Sacramento could do it but like you could trade for Harrison Barnes like you know what I mean like there are players at this deadline that could theoretically get you like Robert Covington or I don't know like you just gotta you gotta try to get someone in that spot if Joe Harris isn't gonna play
1: yeah I was. uh I think it's not gonna work by like two hundred thousand dollars but you're right like some team should be interested if the Nets are just trying to like dump him or yeah yeah i don't think it works the, like the pelicans have a 17.1 million dollar trade exception that they could take joe <laughs> harris Close. into but joe harris is at 17.4 so that won't work and like i guess they could do like josh hart and any of you know whoever right. uh for joe harris and that would work money wise and you know josh hart's non-guaranteed after this year so i would do that if i were the pelicans I would do that if I were the Nets just to have like
0: yeah. a guy go- and like Josh Hart's a good defender, good rebounder, like pretty good role player. Like like those are the kind of moves that like I think that like a team that is doing like a reset like Portland should be looking into. It's like yeah. we're not going to re-sign Robert Covington anyway. Maybe the Nets are interested in like a Robert Covington and I don't think they would give up Nurkic, but like I'm just trying to think of like outside the box of like guys who could just get traded and like, like Joe Harris is a good NBA player. And like, as long as this injury isn't super serious that they could then like pivot towards like, well, we'll have a shooter that can start at small forward for us next year. And we'll be able to like put the right pieces around Dame or Zion or whoever it is that's out there because like this season's kind of a waste anyway. So like, what the fuck do we really care about (laughs) giving up like our, our starting guy we're not going to bring back. And like, I think Josh Hart has one more year after this deal. Like, I don't think I just want to preface this. I don't think there are going to be a lot of moves at the deadline. Like it does feel like it could be, although everyone says this one, we're a week out. Is yeah, like yeah. last year was the same thing. It was like, I don't know. I'm not really hearing anything. It's like everyone goes quiet a week, a week and a half before the deadline. And then the week of the deadline, Orlando goes, Hey, let's blow up our fucking team. And right, it tra- yeah. changes everything. It just takes one team. And I do just generally think like, I think that when it comes to GMs now, like they all have, and someone said this in the discord earlier, when I brought up this idea of GMs being too conservative and worrying about their job security too much is like, it's kind of like Silicon Valley brain, like venture capital brain. Like Mm -hmm. they don't want to take massive risks because if they miss on that risk, they're fucked. So like they are willing to take the safer route. And like, it's the reason why like Monty McNair has not made a real trade in two seasons. Like his biggest acquisition was like, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Delon yeah, like- Wright, or like well, like not they're not impact players at all. And now it's getting to the point where I feel like this deadline could be a little bit quieter, at least up until the day of, just because it feels like a lot of GMs are like, fuck, I really don't want to make the like even Maury is still, right. like as I talked about earlier, incredibly conservative. And it feels like the Morification of GM brain of like I have to win every trade has kind of fucked up the trade market in general. It's not just the play-in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there will be... There are going to be a couple teams that want to just duck the tax. So, like, Portland, I think, will give up Robert Covington just to get under. And, like... For sure. Boston will give up Dennis Schroeder. They were actually another team that came to mind with, like, uh, Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder for Joe True. Harris, because Joe Harris would just be such an awesome fit next to Perfect. Tatum and Brown.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like, but that puts them further over the tax line and God forbid they pay $4 million in luxury tax. So I, I think they're going to be too cheap to do that. Well, No, they got to pay much their,
0: co- they got to pay their coach and then their coach GM too.
1: Right. 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 So <laughs> and their other GM. <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're since deposed GM in Utah now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, like I don't think there are going to be many moves that impact the title race significantly. It feels like the teams that are going to potentially consider moves are like a tier or two down from that, where they're the just Wizards. hoping to make the playoffs or yeah, 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 yeah. just hoping to make the play-in. Like you know, I, I think there are a couple clear sellers. Like Houston, there's no reason to keep Gary Harris. Take whatever you can get for Gary Harris. And like you honestly, mean, uh, Eric Gordon. Yeah, or, yeah. Or are I you mean, talking
0: about Orlando? You said oh yeah yeah, sorry, no, like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Orlando. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah. he used no. Gary Harris was... is. A, yeah, exactly. Perfect example of Gary Harris is like, there's no point.
1: Yeah, he's on an expiring 20.5 million dollar expiring contract. There is absolutely no reason you should just not like, even if it's a protected second round pick. Fine, it's better. Or the nothing. Evan
0: Fournier thing, where it was like yeah. you just created a create, uh, you created a trade exception.
1: Yeah, sure, go for it. And like they have Terrence Ross too. Just I, why? Like why? You know why are we keeping him around? <laughs> For this like, just, yeah it, just no, but,
0: it, go. but it does feel like like and i think houston's a great example of this is like and houston fans got mad at me on twitter when i said this but i was like houston feels like the new team to me that every deadline we're going to talk about them and they're going to make no moves yeah, where they're well, like we just value our own guys too much i'm like why like you're you right. suck like lean in kelly to suck Ico,
1: it. like kelly eiko of the athletic had the report out last week where they're like we're, gonna, we're probably not going to trade like they've batted away offers for eric gordon and, and christian, christian wood, wood yeah who's like by the time houston is good again they're either gonna have to re-sign christian wood or christian wood's gonna want out because he wasted three years on a rebuilding team when he thought he was going there for james harden like and also not like a good culture guy everyone (laughs) (laughs) like refused to come into a game and got benched for it like at least eric gordon i guess that is the the reason but like yeah, especially when you've got Kevin Porter Jr. there who is also a loose cannon. It feels like just take what you can – like Charlotte yeah. should be willing to pay up something for Christian Wood. Like that just – it's one of those trades sure. that makes so much sense. That it's like – yeah, I, it's going to make me mad when it doesn't happen. Right. I Yeah, I, I literally said at the draft last year
0: I was like PJ Washington in there first for Christian Wood. Like just yeah. like something like that where it's like makes a lot of – like Christian Wood would be unlocked playing with LaMelo and those shooters like – you could have, like, a super fun lineup. Like, you'd be competitive, but you're also not selling the farm to be competitive. Like, that is the move that has made the most sense to me, and I agree. I'm pissed that it's, like, only Miami's interested in Christian Wood
1: yeah right which like i kind of
0: get i i think he's like kind of got loser brain a little bit because he's like fucking off his rocker but at the same time like he clearly has talent and like could probably help a team like charlotte who's not a contender but like could do the atlanta thing where they just get to the playoffs and make some noise and like Who fucking knows if there's the right injuries or if you run into a fraudulent team like the Philadelphia 76ers, then maybe (laughs) you can make it to the. Yeah. (laughs) 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 They'll just be the new version of us. Let's go back back out out of the second round again, second straight year. (laughs) It's amazing that, like, Kevin Durant's foot being on the line literally changed the trajectory of the Brooklyn Nets. If you think about it, it's like the Nets probably at least get to the finals, if not win the title. If that isn't the case, like if Kevin Durant is a little bit further back and now we're here all these months later talking about James
1: Harden being on the Sixers, like it's right, right, some and crazy like, butterfly effect shit. <laughs> do they want to re-sign Kyrie Irving? Like that that's the real question is like, should they be considering trading Kyrie no. Irving at the deadline? Because yes. he could be, he could opt out and like, God forbid this vaccine mandate still placed next year. Do you want to pay him a max contract to be a part-time player? Dude, they should just get rid of. And it's the same thing I talk about. And Kyrie Irving's a hundred times more talented
0: than Christian Wood. I'm not comparing them. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like the vibes of a team. Oh yeah. When you have a and like by the way, it is just even though the Kyrie shit is like a headache and shit. James Harden does this with literally fucking everyone, which is another reason why I'm like, wait, we're going to trade for... Like, <laughs> you, you You do it. Don't get me wrong. You do it. You, you figure out the rest later and you hope it's not Chris Webber 2.0. But right. you trade for the former MVP candidate who is clearly declining and like... Also hates his fucking teammates after two seasons every time. But, like, this is your time that you do it. But my whole point about this is, is like, you just move on from Kyrie, not because Kyrie is not, like, insanely talented and, like, an amazing basketball player, but because, like, you're really going to let this guy just control the fate of your franchise, and he's not LeBron James.
1: Right. Like, James Harden is very clearly pissed off that he won't just go get the vaccine. (laughs) So, like, James Harden, I like, he'll never come out and say this. But I think it's pretty clear that if Kyrie was vaccinated, he would James Harden would be more inclined to return to Brooklyn next year. And like, are you really, really willing to risk having to trade James Harden straight up for Ben Simmons this summer because Kyrie won't get vaccinated? Should just trade Kyrie Irving, but then right? But it begs but the question: Like, Kevin Durant, who wants it, that. But like, also, who is going to give you a haul Anything. for Kyrie Irving right yeah. now? Yeah. Like because
0: on... Who would be desperate enough? Other than like the Sixers won't do it because of they know the Harden situation and also because like I just don't think they want to be involved with that. But like the Lakers, like but like the Lakers oh, don't yeah. have anything to send. Like we, like you don't want West, bro. Like, we already <laughs> try. Like we OKC okay, a uh, uh, part two, no thanks. Yeah, but yeah. like who's a team that's like? Because the funny thing is, the Nets are probably other than the Sixers and the Lakers are the most desperate to get a true star player. Like, right. that is, like, could change their fortunes. And, like, they have one on their roster, but he's a fucking psycho. And <laughs> and you look around the league and you just go, like, I don't know. I feel like some of these teams, like, Milwaukee is a contender. They wouldn't do it. Uh, the no. Suns are a contender. They wouldn't do it. The Jazz wouldn't do it. Uh, yes, maybe, maybe, maybe the Warriors. With- but they also have the vaccine mandate.
1: Yeah. no, I Like, Dallas would probably Dallas. give Kristaps for him. But, like... But- That's just trying to get off a potentially bad contract too.
0: Yeah. Is he hurt
1: again? Cause he,
0: I heard he was playing well. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's out. Well, I know he's he's out for tomorrow at least. Yeah.
0: He's cooked, dude. I mean, like he's, he's been very good this year. I've heard, but like, I don't watch a ton of Mavericks teams, especially when Luca doesn't play, but like, it's one of those situations where you look around the league and you're just like, and, like, I even thought about, like, this would be some shit that Masai would pull. But they can't trade for him because of their fucking rules. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, Canada, right. like, like he, he is such a unique... You want to talk about, like, the James Harden situation being unique. Kyrie Irving is the most unique situation that we've ever had, like, in NBA history, other than maybe what's happening with Ben Simmons right now. And so it's just, like, fucking... Like, it's a, it's a thing that you cannot solve, but yeah. kind of just, like, going back to all this is, like, so you mentioned, like, the Celtics and, like, all these teams that, like, might be be making, like, tax whatever moves. Mm-hmm. The Wizards, like, I think that if any team is going to trade for Sabonis, it's going to be the Wizards. Yeah. And do you see any sort of deal that Indiana would possibly make with the Wizards? Because I've been thinking about it and I'm like, I said earlier to my friend who's a Wizards fan, I was like, well, you could do Gafford. And he's like, Gafford's not tradable. Apparently he just extended and he cannot be traded. So I'm like, okay. So you can't (laughs) trade Gafford who would be like, because they said a Vooch-like package is what they want, which was Wendell Carter Jr. next year's first and then a first in a few years from now. And you're like, all right, well, I can't get Gafford. I don't want Montres Harrell. He doesn't do anything for me. Thomas Bryan is just coming off a torn ACL. Like, they're going to want to send back one of their bigs and maybe one of their wings. Like, does Kyle Kuzma do anything for you if you're them? Like, they want to stay competitive. And, like, by the way, the Wizards can't trade a first-round pick unless right. they remove protections for the next eight seasons. Because <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they have one of those crazy, like, if it converts, it's lottery protected from they sent out in the wall trade – Lottery protected, then it's top five protected, whatever. And Presti's probably sitting there like <laughs> another pick for my collection, possibly. I,
1: I mean, or just like I'm sure he would happily just take remove the protection. Like I'll, yeah, I'll do it, but you have to remove the protections entirely. Like yeah, that well, that would be the thing,
0: right? Because they have to remove it in order to trade for.
1: Like you can't trade any picks. If you don't remove all protections, right? I think they can do twenty twenty eight because it's protected, okay. so it's lottery protected in twenty three, top twelve and twenty four, top ten and twenty five, and top eight and twenty six. So I think right. they could do twenty eight, and then they can do pick swaps in uh, uh, you know the other years. But yeah, like you would have to, and then at that point you're like. Well, shit. I hope Bradley Beal stays this summer, because otherwise we just gave away an unprotected first round pick. And if he just walks in free agency, however unlikely that may be, yeah. Like that that could be a top five pick going to OKC.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is like if you were to get, and I thought about this too with the Sabonis and Beal thing, is like if you got Sabonis and you got Beal, then that would definitely be like the best two you can put together in as of the washington wizards right but yeah, th- if either of them if the beale thing where he walks or whatever or if either of them get hurt next year you're just mm-hmm. completely fucked like if bradley <laughs> beale tears his acl or tw- tweaks his hamstring and isn't the same like you're then giving away you're doing what chicago did really which is like right but chicago's plan was We're going to get Vooch. And then this offseason, we're Chicago. So we can maybe attract DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine has friends around the league and we can build a good team. But like it becomes increasingly harder for Washington when they don't have the pick flexibility. Their prospects are all like good, not great prospects. Kuzma's not even a prospect anymore. He's like 26. Like he is who he is. He's a good player now, but like he's not changing my life if I'm the Wizards. Maybe Rui Hashimura and Denny Abdia, they were they're like high on one of those two. And like you could be like, We'll give you Denny uh filler and a first if if they remove the protections. And like, does that do anything for you? But like once again, I think the Pacers want an all-star back.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like I, I like Jake Fisher had the report out, I believe, yesterday where he said they would have to give up two at least two of Rui, Denny, and Corey Kispert. Yeah. And then yeah, figure out whatever salary filler, like you have Thomas Bryant at 8.7 million, Montrez is at 9.7. I Kuzma does not fit into the salary filler category, but he's at 13, KCP is 13.1. Like they I'm have sure they whole
0: they're a team of Bradley Beal and salary
1: filler. Right. Like they'd love to move off of Davis Bertans, but I don't see why Indiana wants nah. him on that that long of a contract. So like if they're if, if Indiana was willing to do two of Rui, Denny, Kispert and montrez for sabonis or even throw in the 2028 first round pick which i think would have to be unprotected just given the current pick protections on the that okc one like i yeah i'd probably do that if i'm washington because they just have way too many goddamn forwarded bigs so like yeah why why not clear out yeah like you already don't have enough time to play all the guys that you have like you know gafford just is getting benched now that Bryant's back because they have three centers and like six forwards and then two guards like so sure and and like maybe i think that's kind of their last gasp hope of satisfying beal and convincing them that he can that they can build a championship contender around him but i don't think like a beal sabonis core is a championship contender and at that point is it a perennial
0: playoff contender because i'm not even sure it (laughs) is in the current eastern conference to be honest Uh,
1: do you you consider the play-in tournament like, yeah, they could they'll make the play sort of it more Yeah, years they'll be like die. the eight,
0: nine, ten seed. Like, I don't yeah. see that as a top six seed in the current like think about the team, like the Boston Celtics are like the nine seed right now. And you're right. like the Atlanta Hawks are like the ten seed or like the eleven seed, like like the Raptors are are coming back up again. Like the Wizards with Beal and Sabonis is like the best you're doing as playing team. And Bradley Beal literally just said this week that's not good enough. And I'm like yeah well then what do we do like we're right right, right
1: you're
0: you're bradley beal like you're like the 25th best player in the nba and sabonis is like the 30th best player in the nba or whatever and like i don't know how you want us to function to create like a perennial playoff contender to get there when you're just not good enough and like I think that all of this stuff that's been leaked over the past week, I think that Beal is seriously mulling over asking out, but I think that he would wait until the off season to do it. And yeah. I think that, as you said, this is like their last second, this is his last second push to try to be like, Hey, make some moves so we can be more competitive. So that I really do consider signing that five-year supermax this summer. And we're all fine and dandy until next season when I'm moody and on the bench and crying <laughs> and, and, and sending out weird tweets and uh, texting right. Quentin Mayo that I'm uh, I'm not happy. So there's, like, that element of it, too. So, like, to me, I think that they probably are the most likely candidate to get, like, a Jeremy Grant or a Sabonis. It doesn't really do much for, for me, personally. If I'm, the, like, the Wizards fans are like, I'm done with this shit, dude. It's over. Yeah. Like, the Beal era is over. Like, we can't make the same mistake we just made with John Wall. We, we have to move on from this guy and get the most we can for him, but like ownership just ain't going to do it. And like, I think that uh, to me, like if Sabonis gets moved at the deadline, it's because the wizards are desperate and they overpay for him.
1: Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And I, like, I think the wizards and Beal and Dame and the blazers are like kind of in the same boat where it's like, I don't see how given like how many opportunities you've already pissed away. I don't see how you construct a championship contender around your respective star players, yeah. but you know, at least Dame is signed for the next couple seasons. And
0: also With- Dame's just a lot better than Beal. Right. If
1: he can stay right. healthy and
0: stay on the same track.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the wizards are probably looking at it like, you know, if, if Dame comes to the blazers and tells them I want out, like, okay, that's when they will seriously start to consider moving him. I think the same goes for the wizards and Beal. I think the wizards see that there are only three teams, of cap space this summer. So they're like, right. all right, well, Good luck, you know, finding finding a team that you want to be a Detroit with. Piston? Yeah, like all right, have fun with the Orlando Magic. Good, like, like Godspeed, yep. Bradley. So but you know, honestly, so like,
0: would if you were Beal, I would be like, both of those teams have brighter futures than what the Wizards yeah. have right now. The Magic
1: definitely do. I think they have a lot of, Wagner, a lot of like, fuck, Yeah. Like Isaac.
0: Pistons are about to get another high pick and they have Cade. Yeah. Like
1: sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. yeah. But so, but like I think they're not. I, I don't think they move him at the deadline and I think they, yeah. you know, they are resting assured like, all right, he can either resign with us this summer. He gets five years, 240 plus million. Or, you know, if he's, if he wants out this summer and he becomes a free agent, like declines that player option, the most he can get is four years, about 180 from another, another team. So like, is he really willing to give up $60 million to leave us this summer? Or does he sign the extension and then we agree to revisit it after December 15th next year, which is when he'd be eligible to get traded at which point he's on a long term deal. And you know, the wizards can probably get more for him with his financial future locked up than they can right now at the deadline when he could be a two month rental or in a sign and trade, which as we discussed earlier, like you never get fair value in those. And like, I hear the concerns about, do you want to be praying? Bradley Beal that much money and you know especially given the potential signs he's showing of decline this year I'll just say this the salary cap like there's going to be new TV deals in the middle of the decade so like come 25-26 the salary cap is likely to go up pretty steeply so by the time you're getting into the back end of that contract that could help ease the pain a little bit like I don't think he's going to ever take up like 40% of your cap like it, it could it could but be that the, he actually takes up less now, like less in those years than that, he does in the first couple of years of his deal.
0: But he, like, did make the All Star team on merit this year. Like, he missed the All Star team because he has not been good enough to be an All Star. And you're about to give right. him the, what, one of the largest contracts in league history. Like, you literally just made the same fucking mistake not yeah. that long ago. And you're like, we want to go for it again. And like, yeah, he might not have the same injury issues as John Wall. But like, there's no way that contract ages well when Beal is the best guy on the team. That's my thing. Right, it's like right, The right. Sixers or like the Celtics or like one of these teams that have been interested, even the Warriors or whatever, like, okay, overpay for Bradley Beal. That's fine. You only need him to be the second best player on the team. Like you, you, you don't have the luxury of being like, here's our guy. Like, or you do have the luxury of being like, he's not the main dude. So yeah. I think that, 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 you have to consider that if you are the wizards that like your ceiling with, with Bradley Beal is probably slightly better than what you are right now. And that is not that good. And like, it, it's nothing like it, the Pacers are now viewing. And this is what my, my friend from Twitter, death by Celtic said, which is, The Pacers are now last in the league in attendance, and they are selling tickets for $1 a game. And this is what happens (laughs) when you don't have a fucking plan. This is what happens when you're just like, we're never going to rebuild. We're always going to try to remain competitive. And then you're going to have a down season in that. And all the fans are going to be like, you've been selling us the same bullshit for fucking 10 years. You've been selling us the same bullshit, at least since Paul George left. And now it's like, what do I have to look for? Like, oh, great. I get to go watch fucking... No one is like, oh, I can't wait to go see Malcolm Brogdon and get to Sabonis pick and rolls. Like, right. like no one, can, like, no one is excited about that team, including Rick Carlisle, the coach of the team. Like, you just can't, <laughs> you can't convince me there is anyone that wakes up every day and is like, I fucking am so excited to watch the Indiana Pacers tonight. It just doesn't exist. Like, even if you're not gonna do the sicko uh, Hinky Presty, Maury full on tank and rebuild brain have a plan and try to like do do what Maasai does. Like, like, like develop guys, like be competitive, like try to rebuild your culture from the ground up, do what Miami does. And I know Miami has the luxury, but like do something like, don't, don't feed me the same bullshit over and over and tell me that it's great. Like, it's just, It's that insane. was the
1: pre process Sixers. That's like yeah. what led to this. Like, they went all in with Bynum because we were like, please just stop treading water, do something. And then they yeah. did, and it it didn't work out. It's like, all right, cool. Then we'll now we have no choice. Yeah. And like now we have no choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we, we have to rebuild because we just gave up everything for this guy who never played a game for us. Exactly. So, yeah, like I, I think I think Washington's rationale is we can get more for him. Like I, I, think even if they re-sign him to that contract, they are under no illusion that he is going to finish that contract in Washington. Like, but they didn't are... we
0: say this last time he extended? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Like, they might just be like, "Oh yeah, we could build a contender around uh, Bradley Beal," and, and in that case, you know, Godspeed to you. Yeah, the, delusions
0: happen. of grandeur. <laughs> like, but like, if like, if doing? the
1: rationale is we can get more for him December fifteenth or like next summer than we can. Right now, as a possible rental or in a sign and trade, when he has to give up sixty million dollars, he's not going to be inclined to do that anyway. Right. Like that, I can understand. Uh, there is one, thinking, <laughs> no, 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 and there, like, there's one workaround where he can get pretty much all of his money if he opts in and extends later. So, like, he is going to have some leverage here, and I think if he doesn't get moved at the deadline, that is his best play. If he wants out of Washington, he has to decide this summer. Cause then he's going to have leverage to at least say, I want to go here or here. Whereas if he signs that extension and it's December 15th and the wizards decide it's not working out, like they can send them to Sacramento. They don't give a damn. Just whoever yeah, has the best absolutely. package.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. No, I, 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 and, and kind of going back to what we were saying about like this idea of like having a plan and shit. Like that's what Sam Presti did with Paul George. He was like, yeah. look, we're going to sign you to the extension. And if you want out of here in a year, Just tell me and we'll make something happen. Like that's the kind of thing that Washington should be doing behind the scenes that I know 100% they are not doing because they're they're fucking insane. And they're just, they're literally just wasting away players' careers. All right. So last thing before we get out of here, the tax stuff for the Sixers, because the only thing that I like more than talking about trade slop is talking about (laughs) saving
1: billionaires money. (laughs) it's it's so much fun. I know. I know.
0: It's great. We love it. But you're, you're writing an article that is basically about the idea of the Sixers trying to get under the tax this season. So why don't you talk a little bit about, sorry, I'm throwing up in my mouth. Why don't you talk a little bit about why the Sixers could do that at this deadline and kind of what, what they're thinking behind it would be and how they could do it.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, like I am not advocating For this, I don't (laughs) want them to do this. I don't give a shit how much money Josh Harris has to pay in luxury tax. But so if you if you pay the tax in three of four seasons, you become eligible or you you are subject to a repeater tax, which is basically like an extra dollar. Uh, like it starts at a dollar fifty per dollar and moves up. The repeater stack tax starts at two fifty and moves up. So it like once you're 15, 20, 25 million over the tax line once you're in repeater tax territory, it, it gets pricey. I mean, you know, the Warriors right now are 39 million over the tax line. Their tax bill is $170 billion this year. Like there's a certain point where very few team owners are going to have the stomach to pay that much in tax. So the Sixers right now are 6.3 million over thanks to some George Hill shenanigans. Like by the end of the year, it'll probably go down to 5.1 million. So If they don't trade Ben Simmons, well, regardless, I mean, if they do trade Ben Simmons, that might be one of their secondary motivations is, can we shed a little bit of salary and get out of the tax line? But if they don't, and they say like, all right, well, we're clearly not winning the title this year. It's all about Joel and Maxie. And, you know, we don't really give a shit. Otherwise, like, do they try to trade Danny Green for a much cheaper player? Or do they try to salary dump for Concord Mods, who has been struggling this year? Like, I I think uh, unfortunately for them, there really aren't many other ways for them to get under the tax, barring like a surprise Tobias Harris taker. Like, they're not going to trade Seth Curry away. He's too valuable on that deal. And he, you know, Danny, Seth, Embiid, Tobias, and Simmons are the only guys earning more than $8 million. So they would have to trade like Cork Maz and. Paul Reed or Isaiah Joe, who now that we're, you know, Joe is cracking the rotation more frequently, like I don't think they're gonna do that just to to save money. So like none of these deals necessarily are going to make them a better team. And again, I'm not advocating for them to do it, but I I just wouldn't be shocked if they say we are gonna wait until the offseason to trade Ben let's at least like push the clock back on the repeater tax a year in case we do get a James Harden or a Bradley Beal. And like you know next year if they get James Harden, depending on the, however they get him sign and trade, opt-in and trade, whatever, like they're gonna be over the tax line more likely than not. So yeah like I, I think they will be incentivized to push that thing, you know, the, the repeater tax window back a year. I don't know if they're going to be successful in doing so. And I think, you know, you have to balance, like if you're just salary dumping, Danny green, that sends a really shitty message to Joel Embiid. And I, I yep. he might not be pissed off about how you're handling the Ben Simmons stuff. And but also
0: like... it's, it's, it's not nice to uh, NBC sports, Philadelphia, who hosts <laughs> the green room with oh, Harrison and
1: Danny. It's not,
0: it's not that's great true. for the relationships. You know, I mean, I know the fans have soured on Danny recently because of all of his comments in the media, but like, I, I really do think that that does send a message and that's yeah. exactly what you just said is like, it sends a message to the fan base. It sends a message to Joel and bead. It sends a message to pretty much everyone. Hey, we're not winning anything this year. We don't even want to pretend like we're not let's move off Danny. Let's get him to a contender where maybe we could get back some second round picks. Mm -hmm. and kind of go from there maybe like the thing is is like I tried to think of Danny destinations before I remember it was like to me the most the one that makes the most sense just if like your main goal is to get off of money was Cleveland but then I realized the Rubio exception is not big enough to take in Danny's salary it is big enough however to take on Furkan Corkmoss's salary and they were interested in Furcon Korkmaz this past offseason. And even though Korkmaz has struggled a lot this season, he only makes five million dollars a year. Yeah. And like I look at the Danny situation where I'm like, How much could you realistically shed unless you're trading him into a trade exception? And to my knowledge, there aren't a ton of large trade exceptions out there for teams that would like could use Danny's services, like a ten yeah. million dollar trade exception or something. Like you brought up the Pelicans mm. earlier, which were like, yeah. oh yeah, Danny would help them, but also like danny doesn't want to fucking go to new orleans like you're sending this <laughs> right. guy to somewhere where he doesn't want to go and then you're also like sending the message like it's a very complicated thing like you don't want to help the bucks because danny would help the bucks like you yeah. don't want to help the nets because danny would help the nets like they're miami like every team you can think of like is like the lakers would be the one because of the familiarity but like what are the Lakers going to give us? Taylor Horton Tucker or like Kendrick Nunn? Kendrick like Nunn a, yeah. Yeah. Like
1: Nunn would get you pretty close. He still wouldn't get you under. You'd still have to dump one more guy, but like, yeah, that gets you pretty close to under. I, yeah. Dallas is the one. Cause they do oh, have yeah. a $10.9 million trade exception. So he would fit wow. in there. Tim Hardaway Jr. Just got hurt. And like, actually you know, that's the, perfect. But, but is Mark Cuban willing to spend? i mean he i hope so <laughs> he's,
0: i mean i hope so too but like hasn't his thing been like he's like a, they've like i don't know if they've ever paid into the tax i might be wrong they
1: that. they are fifth according to Spotrack, they're 15.3 million under right now so even okay. taking danny into that exception they wouldn't be in the tax like the question is what do they have to send back because yeah, like, like, you're probably not getting like trey burke or sterling brown josh green like I'm take Josh Green, I don't
0: think but, I don't think they'd send Josh Green. Yeah, I'm, yeah. We already uh, have Fobin, one Batiste,
1: yeah, yeah, bring Boba back to maybe, Yeah, maybe I'll like resuscitate Toby. But uh, yeah, I mean it's like figuring out what what value you'll get either for Danny like for the rest of this season, so you aren't like super punting on a Joel Embiid potential yeah. MVP season, or at least for the future. Like I wouldn't, I you know I, I like OKC can take him into cap space and, and like. You know, they would probably want a pick to do so, or like if you're trying to trade him for a Kenrich Williams or something like that. Yeah. But I like all of this always comes back to Ben, and like the Sixers should not be in a position where they're giving up any first round picks at the yeah. trade deadline because who knows you if you know. need them for the Ben trade. So like you, you it have to be them for
0: cheap salary. If you can get James Harden in a, a straight up signing this offseason. Right. like if you're able to just like figure out a way, then you're like, shit, we need cheap salaries again because shake Milton's going into the last year of his cheap deal. And you know, eventually all the like Thibault's going to get an extension soon. Like,
1: yeah, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, like, OKC okay, like they could offer Mike Muscala back. And maybe maybe it'd be fitting for <laughs> just get back Maxi. all the old
0: Sixers. Sarich, yeah. we you could get Sarich. Maybe the Suns could use oh, Danny. They, He's
1: they out this season, but yeah, Yeah, right, right, right. So yeah, it's hard to find anything that's going to provide them with actual value. Like I, I think the Magic have a big exception, but as you said, why did the Magic want Danny Green? Like it doesn't really yeah. make sense. So it, it, Boston, I believe, has a big one, but you know, as you said, you're not going to help Boston out, so. Yeah. Uh, and they mean, were interested
0: I, in him this past off season too.
1: Yeah. So I, I think FERC would be the more likely of the two, but then it it also, this also comes back to Ben. Like if you are going to trade Ben for James Harden in particular, and if it's going to be a sign in trade, rather than just an outright signing or an opt-in and trade, like you basically need Danny to, you, you either need to flip him for an expiring or another non-guarantee because you need to waive him just to get under the tax apron next year. So like, <sighs> More is juggling all of these different balls, all of which come back to Ben Simmons. So like, I, I don't expect. let trade to Ben make... Simmons. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they could do that. I, uh, that. I didn't think about that. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, so I like, I think there's just a lot hinging on that and they're going to have to be somewhat conservative in the rest of their moves. Cause they have to plan three steps ahead of like, how will this trade affect what we can possibly do with Ben Simmons down the line?
0: Yep. That's what it feels like is that it's just, once again, we're always held up by this fucking thing. The whole trade market is the Sixers are everyone's handcuffed to it, but it's like, I don't care about the Sixers getting under the tax, but I think it is something that they're going to try to do. As you said, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me to like, like from ownership's perspective, which I always am thinking from ownership's perspective, but the, the idea of like, Oh yeah, we're just going to pay for a Concord Moss five million dollars a year like i think that the most likely move is like if cleveland strikes out on dennis schroeder or one of these guys that fits into that exception that they got for rubio or they're not able to just flip rubio's salary that that because like i thought about like could you work out like a danny to utah trade but then you'd have to take mm-hmm. back joe angles and like yeah. joe Ingles makes more money than danny and like you couldn't send out enough even if you sent cork moss like Shake going in the last year of his deal makes me think he might be a little bit more expendable but I think that like they're just going to want to keep another cheap salary on the books for next year in case they can get one of these stars. So mm-hmm. I'm just basically like I'm just so like I can't believe we've come to this point in the middle of a <laughs> Joel and MVP season that we're here talking about how do we dodge the tax so they don't I the know. ownership doesn't pay a repeater like like what are we doing like, like <laughs> We have an MVP in the middle of his prime. Please don't do this to me. But right. u- ultimately, we, we will see sometime in the next week. I think if the Sixers do make a deal, it is more like more than likely that it will be one of those smaller moves, whether it's sending Danny out, sending Quirk Moss out, maybe sending one of the young guys out that just doesn't get play like Paul Reed.
1: Yeah,
0: And at least reducing the tax bill in that circumstance, I guess, which is like whatever. And maybe they uh, just play without a roster spot because – the yeah. The ownership's just fucking cheap.
1: <laughs> that would that would be the annoying one is if they set if they like just dump Paul Reed to lower the tax bill but don't actually get under the tax. Like yes. there is value at least by pushing back the repeater window a year. There's value in like fully getting under for sure. But they like their tax bill right now is 9.8 million. It's gonna go down because of the George Hill stuff to like seven high sevens low yeah. eights. Like who gives a shit? Just pay that. Like if yeah. you aren't gonna get under just just there's no point in dumping a Paul Reed, but yeah, like, I mean, I know it sucks to even talk about, but like to pretend that teams don't make moves like this all the time. I mean, Daryl had to do it all the time in Houston because it's coming for two is cheap. So he's exactly they did it with James, James
0: Ennis. They sent us James yeah. Ennis for nothing, like literally right. like a fake second round pick. So,
1: so we like know he has the history of it. And teams just do this at the deadline. It's like, you have to, it sucks and you don't want to talk about it, but like this is part of the job. Like, this is something that happens. And unfortunately, when your team is this close to the tax line, and if they don't make the Ben Simmons trade, it's like, it like kind of makes sense to do it in certain circumstances.
0: Oh, yeah, it makes me sick. But all right, yeah. that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, before we get out of here, Ben Simmons trade percentage wise, do you think there's <sighs> a extremely low chance it happens now or do you think it's still do you think this is the greatest bluff of all time is my question do you think that there were is secretly <laughs> sitting back saying at 2 30 on the day of the trade deadline i'm going to pick up the phone and have my backup plan and that this was all a ruse do you think there's any chance of that and what percentage would you put it out that ben simmons is on the sixers after the deadline
1: I, I hope so for the sake of all of our sanity, but at the same time, like this is five more months of content. So maybe I can't tell what I want. Like maybe I want him to drag it out all four years at this point. At least we can just keep pumping out the blog posts and the podcast. I true.
0: that's why the sickos I, tune in.
1: <laughs> I think they're, I mean, Daryl said it's what like less likely than likely that he's going to trade them by the deadline. I like, feels like 20, 25% chance. That he actually exactly what I was going to say. 25. Yeah. That's
0: a nice number for, for Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, His free throw percentage in the playoffs. Good. Exactly. Damn.
0: I was going to make that joke. I'm glad you beat me to it.
1: Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just think, again, like given the potential home run swing of a Beal or of a Harden, both of which seem like at least possibilities in the offseason, I think Daryl's going to hold out for that. Barring like, you know, as you said, like maybe the Kings call on Thursday, like, look, we fucking suck. Like, we'll give you Halliburton, we'll give you Barnes, we'll give you picks, like, whatever, yeah. we just can't, we can't do this anymore. And, and in that case, like, I, I think that's when it's going to be interesting. If we actually hear, like, concrete offers leak either before or after the deadline, that's when we're really all going to lose our minds if we find yep. out, like, the Hallie oh. Barnes package was on the table that's yeah, that that's yeah, because that's something that Sacramento
0: stuff. would do to be like, yeah, no, we were giving reasonable, more than reasonable right. offers, and they were like, Nope, we're good to make us right. look like fucking idiots. But yeah, that... I'm with you. My brain says 25%, my heart says hundred percent it needs to be done. <laughs> but my brain is one hundred percent saying that it, it it is not going to get done, unfortunately, and I will be stuck in this hellhole for another six months, which I don't know maybe maybe i do secretly enjoy it maybe i maybe i want this to continue to happen forever so that people give me attention and listen to me say things about the sixers so yeah all right dude i appreciate you coming on always enjoy having you on this was the longest chat we've had so far it was great 100 appreciate it and uh i'll talk to you soon all right sounds good thanks for having me peace bud